Hello everybody, this is Captain Katz. And we are Katz. Alright, and welcome back to the show. Today we are going to talk about a very important film. Because it turns 100. And that film is none other than... Nosferatu, Eine Symphonie des Grauens. Um, that's German for Nosferatu, a symphony of horror. Mm-hmm. Made by German expressionist horror film uh, director F.W. Murnau. And starring Max Schreck as Count Orlok. Mm-hmm. A vampire who preys on uh, the wife of his estate agent. And uh, he brought a uh, terrible plague to the town. Yeah. Um, this was loosely based off of uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Loosely based off because you, he's not called Dracula. He's just called Nosferatu. Count Orlok. Yes, Count Orlok. Um, and the reason why I say that this film is very important, which is very important, is because a lot of the early cinematography in this film and everything, you can still see it now in modern day cinema. And it protected itself. It was advanced for a song because it protected itself from uh, copyright infringement. Because they thought, oh, if it was Count Dracula, okay, I'll be in trouble with uh, Bram Stoker. Because it was because Dracula was made in eighteen ninety seven, so we're talking about almost thirty years. So yeah, the the existence of copyright infringement could have been right. And so there's, I'm seeing a picture of, um, uh, it's a public domain thing, and it says that patient who was brought in yesterday has gone out of his mind or or something. Well, the point is, uh, they protected themselves from that. Yeah. So the yeah. So that's also a very huge important thing because, hey, if you can make a bootleg and make it really good, you're all right. Not exactly, because back then um, it was straightforward, black and white, no grays, because of uh, Stoker's hairs. They sued over the adaptation, and a court ruling ordered. Uh, all of the copies to be destroyed. But, mm-hmm. thankfully, several prints survived. Mm-hmm. So it just shows that uh, um, it's also the subject of probably one of the world's first issues of copyright infringement. Yeah. You know, in terms of uh, uh, the newly invented cinema. Right, yeah. Because it was still in its infancy, infancy right? Around that time when... Uh, Not really. It was like the late 1890s or something where it was kind of getting around. Right. We're talking about a 30-year gap. Okay. So don't forget, you know, there's Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton, all the silent No, yeah, it's still... Stuff. No, yeah, it's still in its infancy because it's still considered to be a new type of form of media of, of one way... Of one form. You know, you still had radio, you know, and all that stuff, but this was new. This was... Uh, you know, unexplored territory, you know, so certain laws and stuff like that would had to be one way or another created, you know, but it was still in its infancy. Like, it's like saying, okay, let's go back in time a hundred years ago. And then I decided to do my version of Hello Dolly. But instead of calling it Hello Dolly, I can just say it's, uh, hey, it's Dolly. Or not even, or change the name. Just like, oh, it's Betty. Yeah, but since the laws are, are new when it comes to this sort of thing, you automatically lost. Well, I could just say, hey, see, look, she, you know, I could say, look, 
Uh, my casting, my you know, the casting and everything is nothing like Hello Dolly. We don't even have singing. We can't even afford it. What do they do? Oh no, they just write. They they, they just talk in riddles. Yeah, but still, like I said, this is this you know these types of copyright infringement things was brand new. You automatically lost, yeah. which sets certain precedents. Right. That that you know during the years of uh, cinema would be chipped away little by little. Mm-hmm. You know they're not based on technicalities, probability, probabilistic results. This one was just a cut, copy, and clear. Uh uh-uh. uh that ain't Orlock. That's my guy. I'm Bram Stoker. Blah blah blah. Yeah. But still, like... Well, like I said, thankfully, you know, there was a few copies that survived, and, um, well, this became the the DNA of what would now be considered the horror genre. Right. You know, and this does play a, an important role for the horror genre, kind of like what Black Sabbath was to uh, heavy metal. Yes, because in the end, um, like, if you actually saw the whole thing... Um, even though um, they, you know, I'm spoiling it to everybody, but who cares? It's hundred years. They kill off. They finally kill off. Um, you know, they introduce the notion that oh no, sunlight. Vampires don't like sunlight. I die. Poof. Right. But uh, his victim dies. So it's one of the examples of uh, well, you don't get a happy ending once. You don't get a happy ending. Right. A certain, and that's what happens in horror films. Proper. Horror films. Yeah. There really isn't a happy ending. Yeah, of course not. And if there is, it always comes at a price. Yeah, good example. Friday the 13th. That iconic ending. Yeah, everybody dies. Yeah. Well, no, like I'm saying, just like, you know, the, the, the survivor is in the middle of the lake, and then all of a sudden, boom, young Jason. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody didn't see that coming. Or like in Halloween, the very first Halloween. Yeah. Where did the body go? <laughs> yep, like that, you know. But uh, but yes, this was um, the birth of of the modern day horror in terms of the atmosphere, the way everything is set up, the the tempo, all of that, you know, and um, especially too how Orlock. Yes, um, the first horror star, Max Shrek. Yes. Like, he didn't look anything like how uh, Max Shrek looked. Like, if you actually look at the film, completely different person. Oh, yeah, I'm seeing a picture of uh, uh, Max Shrek in 1916 and then seeing a a promotional, a first promotional still of uh, uh, Nosferatu and... No way he looks like his his, his clean cut picture. Yeah, there was even rumors too that like he was a, you could say he was like the first. Exp- oh, sorry to digress a little bit. Uh, thanks to the uh, first flop of the un, uh, you know, with Bram Stoker's thing, mm-hmm. uh, the company that made the film declared itself bankrupt just to avoid paying copyright infringements. <laughs> See, they got away around them. They they. they you know, new laws, they couldn't get around the bush, so, but they found a way to get out of it. The first loophole. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. No, but like I said, there was rumors that, um, the actor, he was basically, maybe like, 
cinema's first method actor? Because, okay, because of like this. I've heard rumors that he stayed in character. Even like on set and everything. like Even when they were not filming. To the point where supposedly like after filming and everything, he had to go see a doctor. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think that yeah, that's I've I've heard. I, like I said, I've heard this. I'm I'm not saying this is like true or not, but there are stories about that. You know, he kind of went into the deep end. In terms of like, kind of like how uh, Jared Leto did with being the Joker for the Suicide Squad film. Mm. Oh, Jared Leto. Yeah. Um, but unlike Jared Leto, you know, he didn't, Jared Leto didn't jump into the deep end in in that role or in that character, you know, um, but, uh, Stoker, like supposedly he kind of went into the deep end first to try to get a better idea how to, uh, be this thing be this character to try to bring him to life and it and even if it's true or not you gotta admit he did a phenomenal job bringing this character to life but um like i said the movie's a hundred in terms of now yeah, sure. You can watch it and you just think, eh, you know, for laughs, you know, for giggles. Why? Because it's like so outdated. But you can see where a lot of the horror elements of modern day horrors and also certain tropes, like, for example, in vampire films, you know, oh, garlic, crosses, sunlight, you know, want to suck your blood. Unfortunately, we don't have proper horror music because we only have a piece of the original uh, score. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, and it's kind of a... It, it, it kind of sucks, you know. Yeah. But... Oh, no, this is a, this is a very important film, though. Um, anybody who's a, who's a horror fan or anybody who's a cinema buff, um, do yourself a favor. Try to find this online. Any way you can. Um, watch it. And be amazed of how much cinema has evolved within a hundred years. Oh, yes. Um, some good, some bad. You know, uh, certain techniques are still being used today. Others lost became a lost art. Uh, new forms of cinematography... New forms of creating films came and gone. Others became either like a one-trick pony thing or a trope or a fad. Others became, okay, it's going to stay now. It's going to be here. It's not going away anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, it it is one of the clear masterpieces of world cinema. Mm -hmm. And uh, it can't be denied. Um, No. Anything from Jason to Michael Myers to aliens involved in horror films and all oh, that yeah. stuff. That whole genre in general. Everything owes itself to Nosferatu. 
Yeah. Cinema in general owes it, owes it to it. Well, not just that, but, uh, you know, certain techniques of... Uh, yeah, but certain techniques are still being used today because of Nosferatu. Yeah, like darkness. Like like lighting. Lighting is a huge thing. Oh, yeah. When you see his face and stuff, like... Ugh. Oh, yeah. And especially the close-ups, too. You know. Um, which, which they still use to this day. Lighting is very important, and especially in cinema. Close... You know, the picture-perfect close-ups, how the way they did the close-ups with the lighting or in the darkness, uh, the mood, the environment, the setting of everything that also plays an important role in cinema. Um, but, yeah, Nosferatu, 100 years. Very wonderful, very, very wonderful film. Um, like I said, for anyone who's a film, who's a fan of horror... Who, who's a movie goer? Who's a cinema head? You know, a cinema buff. Watch this. Go, go and watch this. Um, and on that note, there's another, there's an um another thing that's doing um celebrations around. Um, this time it's from video games, and it's also very important. Important. Important as almost at the same level as Nosferatu, but we'll get to that why. And that is the artifact. Uh, the artifact turns thirty. It was released in nineteen ninety two. It was developed and published by SNK, and it came a year after Fatal Fury, which also turned uh, thirty last year. The reason why the art of fighting is more important than Fatal Fury simply because of this. It was the first game to introduce a lot of things that are still being used in modern in modern fighting games. In terms of graphic scaling, Fatal Fury was the first game ever to incorporate graphic scaling. Um, in case you want a good example, when uh, two characters are in the close up to each other, the screen focuses in on that. While there's when they separate, the screen backs out. You know, uh, not only that, but also uh, in-game damage. You can actually see your characters if they got hit really hard in the face. You see their face swell up, and even on their face facial uh, icons, you actually see their face icon as well being all swelled up or bleeding and everything like that. Um, wall jumping, air blocks, taunts. Um, what would eventually become the most like. You can't think of any fighting game without this. Well, they call it the Spirit Gauge, mm-hmm. but it's eventually the Super Gauge. The Super Gauge. Yeah. That That's basically just, like, you know, meter. Just meter in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that became the most important thing in, in fighting games now. Not only that, too, uh, special moves, combos. Uh, well, uh, Fatal Fury, well, yeah, well, Fatal Fury and Street Fighter did that, but this kind of took that that notion and just brought it in. Um, tactical fighting. You can't really button mash. Yeah, you really can't. And also desperation uh, moves. Um, in other words, soup, like ultras, ultimates. You know? And um, a lot of this you can see in modern fighting games. 
Capcom, like most like every single Capcom game, has at least one of those one of those tropes in them. Modern SNK fighting games as well. Um, Nether Realm. Uh, Guilty Gear. What else? There's like so many. Take your pick. Skullgirls, then Viking Herds. Um, a lot of games have to. A lot of fighting games, if you look at their DNA structure and everything like that, if you take it down to the beer minimum, to the beer basics, it all leads back to art of fighting. Not only that too, but the art of fighting also introduced something that was completely new and different, which is terms of storytelling. There was a multiverse of storytelling, because prior to, uh, it, well, in terms of storytelling wise, art of fighting took place years prior to the original, um, Fatal Fury, story timelines. It takes place in Southtown as well. If you look at Art of Fighting 2, you see that you see a young Geese Howard. Mm. And then also, too, a lot of the side characters um, become become fan favorites and iconic fan favorites uh, because they went and created, what, the King of Fighters game, 94, KOF 94. Mm-hmm. Two years, like, in two years, it's going to be 30. And from there, you got, you know, Ryo Sakazaki, Yuri Sakazaki, Robert Garcia, King, um, Mr. Big. Who else? Uh, Toto. Yeah. His his daughter, Kasumi. Mm -hmm. And so, ah, so many more characters. But yeah. They all become playable characters in the KOF series, one way or another. And um, yeah, it's a, it's it's sad too because it's one of the, it's a really good game. It's it 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 aged okay for thirty years. It aged if I were to say like one out of ten, like a seven, eight, you know. It aged okay. You know, you can see the notable differences and the mm-hmm. wrinkles here and there, you know, but as in, but in terms of gameplay-wise, strategy-wise, um, it's there. Yeah, sure, it's, it, it'll take cheap shots on you, and, it's, and it can be hard as hell oh, if you yeah. allow it to be. Yeah, it's cheap. Yeah. But it's still a really great, a really great fighting game that people should actually... You know, play it and um, discover what made that game so great and so influential. Mm-hmm. And it does, and sadly too, it doesn't get the credit it truly deserves for being the one game that introduced a lot of stuff that's being incorporated today in modern fighting games. Yep. Yeah. So. So what? So so what are your memories of the art of fighting? Cheap as hell. No, let me take that back in part of the language. Cheap as fuck. You can never get past the fourth person because somehow, depending on the machine, let alone the the laundromat you go to, 
you might go against the level four machine, and that, and that always happens. Maybe the first two characters are good, the third one's going to be a pain in the ass, but the fourth one's a cheap bastard. <laughs> always, <laughs> just takes you down, mm. and then you're forced to get another core. And the, what everybody probably used to do is like, oh, you get full max power, or this or that. If I remember, I don't remember. I don't think it has one of those options where, like, oh, just give the computer one third power. No, <laughs> no, that's um, Fatal Fury. Yeah, that was fair. fair. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't matter. It, it just eats up your cores, and you get re- and you get pissed off because usually it's the same person. Mm. Yeah, like, but you got to remember this was early S and K. You know that we we're going to be unfair. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it was always going to be that. But um, but you know we get we, we took it with a grain of salt. We took, we got, oh we man, took, a spoonful of salt. I mean, that's what it, that that was an introduction right there, mm-hmm. with a spoonful of salt. Yeah, but nevertheless, um, that was a great way to get introduced into fighting games, especially to the world of SNK fighting games. Especially, oh, yes. you know, after that there was the Fatal Fury series, and then it, it was all gone when uh, KOF came out. KOF came came out, and and. You know, they should bring back the, the, the actual years as opposed to, oh, KOF 15, KOF, KOF 16. No, there's no pizzazz anymore. The pizzazz stopped after, I want to say, 2003, hmm. 2004. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. They need to bring, bring that shit back. Like, you know, oh, shit, KOF 2022. Woo! You know, like that. Yeah, but... You have to admit, though, it'd be kind of hard to like remember, like, oh yeah, it's KOF. Does like, oh, do you remember the fifth one? KOF five? No. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, the fifth fifth one is the most famous one. KOF ninety eight. Iconic. Super iconic. Still, still holds up well. Still, it's one of it's one of those fighting games that aged like fine wine. It gets better as time passes. Yeah, and it, and it incorporated one of the uh, god systems you get to pick. One of them is from Art of Fighting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. See, Art of Fighting, influential, never gets the credit it truly deserves. Nosferatu, very influential. It does get the credit it deserves, but yet a lot of people just like, what was it? I don't know. You show them the picture. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, I don't get it. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they, they, they need to start paying attention to these sort of films, you know, the silent films, because they were, some of them were stupid ahead of their time. Oh, yeah. Like Nosferatu, Metropolis. Any of Buster Keaton. Oh, yes. Uh, the first uh, cinema stuntman. Stuntman comedian. Charlie Chaplin's the Little Tramp. Mm-hmm. Don't believe me? Who do you think Jackie Chan idolized? Buster Keaton. Yeah, he idolized him. Try to copy him. He literally, he's like, the he's literally the modern-day Buster Keaton. Mm-hmm. And uh, Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, they're also uh, silent uh, stars, but they also... Uh, became uh, talkie stars 
Why? Because they're making fun of talking pictures. Because mm-hmm. they kept their uh, silent visuals. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, um, in terms of uh, dark techniques and stuff like that, yeah, it's all Nosferatu. Yeah. Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. So. It's in the public domain, so, well, since 2019, but unfortunately, because of the bootlegs that, you know, to preserve it, those specific bootlegs, uh, they themselves are copyrighted. Right. But, you know, you can always find it and watch it for free or something like that. Yeah. So. And uh, same thing. Uh, like, Nosferatu, take some time out of your day or your weekend and play a couple rounds of Art of Fighting. See what makes it so special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with that, thank you guys so much for listening to us this week. I hope you guys have a wonderful time. Stay safe out there. Have a wonderful week. And we'll catch you next week with all more weird and crazy things that we can find in pop culture. Until then, I am Captain Cats. And I am We Are Cats. All right. Thank you guys so much. Hope you guys have a wonderful time. And stay safe. Yo-ho.